Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's the host of the Spark in the Dark podcast, former WWE superstar, former football player. It's Dan Maytha. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing great, Alex. I'm doing great. Thank well, you for having me on. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Oh, damn. Right to the beginning. Um... <laughs> So I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up there till I was like 18. Um, my, uh, you know, I come from, you know, kind of a blue collar, humble beginnings. Um, I had young parents, right? Uh, parents were, were real young when they had me. So it was like babies having babies. And so I come from like the lower socioeconomic bracket, right, of here in the United States of America, at least. And, you know, well, I always like to, you know, one of the easy ways to kind of paint a picture for people is like, I'm a kid who grew up in a trailer park across the street from the projects. So, you know, it's a crazy neighborhood to grow up in a trailer park across the street yeah. from the projects. Like the, 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 uh, the things you would see or the stories that I could tell would just, you know, you, you wouldn't believe them if you didn't live through them. But so, you know, with that came a lot of, uh, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of craziness, but also through the craziness and that dysfunction, I, I developed quite a bit of, of grit, perseverance, um, and like hustle ingenuity, you know, like my pops, you know, my pa I've met a lot of wild people in my life. My pops is probably the most wildest human being I've ever met. Um, but one of the things uh about him that I admire is his work ethic and his hustle. Now, like I said, he's wild, so some of like his maybe his follow through or you know, decision making could be questioned, but the fact like his his intensity and his work ethic are were something that I admired and something that I took with me. And so uh, for me, I gravitated to sports. I was like the black sheep in my family, which you wouldn't expect because everybody's like me and my family. Everybody's big as hell. You know, <laughs> everyone's, you know, my brother's the shortest one and he's six, three. So, um, yeah. So, and you know, they all would have been good athletes if they wanted, to, if they decided to be good athletes, they just, it just wasn't their cup of tea, but I was the black sheep and I was the athlete in the family and I gravitated towards football. And to me, football was my way out. I was like my ticket. I was like, I fell in love with the game. I watched it. I remember the first time ever watching football was like the 96 Super Bowl, San Francisco 49ers versus uh, the San Diego Chargers. And I just was like enamored by the TV and this game. And I was just like, what is this? I want to do this. And so I, you know, eventually ended up getting onto a football team, started playing football. And uh, I actually, so before all of like the accolades came for football, initially I sucked at football. I like the first month and a half, two months of playing football. I just got my ass kicked every day. It was rough. 
it was like a rough two months and then there was like this moment that kind of clicked and uh from that moment you know things kind of snowballed and allowed me to kind of grow into the player that I ended up becoming but I you know started excelling started getting a lot of notoriety uh I was a bit like I said I was a big kid I mean in sixth grade when I first started playing football I was six one um by the time I hit eighth grade I was like six four um then I started you know really seriously lifting weights in the eighth grade as well I kind of started dabbling in weightlifting before that like the sixth grade but like you know benching and curling and like no program or anything like just me and my boys playing Tony Hawk pro skater too while <laughs> listening to Eminem's Marshall Matters in the in the bedroom while seeing who could curl more um but then in the eighth grade I found I had like a serious uh lifting program and then between my growth spurts and then just becoming obsessed with training i just started growing you know because those are especially for for men for boys Mm -hmm. that's the time to really start training because like you're going through puberty and you're just getting like an obscene amount of testosterone pumped through you so it's just like a great time to optimize all of that (laughs) so uh i started training started playing obsessing um just pouring all myself into football and training and you know start like i said excelling started getting looked at uh by colleges heavily um then you know i just as each year high school went on i kept getting better and the notoriety kept coming in Uh, you know i was one of the top espn players in the country at that time uh had a bunch of schools i could have went to i ended up narrowing it down to the university of pittsburgh i went to the university of pittsburgh um and there was like you know a lot of buzz pennsylvania boy going to a pennsylvania school i was like predicted to play pretty early which you know especially for my position as an offensive lineman is is uncommon usually you're not playing right away as an offensive lineman but uh Life had its own plans for me. I had got, I had surgery. I had to have two shoulder surgeries right away as a freshman. And then that was the first time I had, like, I didn't have football in my life. And I was like kind of dealt or I was kind of left to deal with my own, uh, with myself without that outlet. Right. And at the time I didn't realize it, but being older and being able to look back was like, yo, I had a lot of, had a lot of trauma that I wasn't even aware of that I needed to deal with. And it was like manifesting in a lot of ways, uh, real crazy behavior. And some of it is just young, young, insecure dude shit. You know what I mean? And some of it's just, you know, trauma of, you know, some of the life circumstances I grew up in and just really not knowing how to handle it other than you know me being kind of like a very extreme person and then doing very extreme things right whether it was partying and other nefarious hacks right (laughs) that got me in trouble (laughs) so i you know so then i got into the doghouse and i got a little bit of trouble and then you know the injuries kind of set me back and i ended up being at pit for three years and not playing Oh, wow. And yeah. And then so it was like real 
real shot to the gut because it was like, hey, you know, as this Division One football player, real high hopes. Um, and now I'm now I'm three years in. I've got two years of eligibility left, and like the writing is on the wall that I'm probably not going to play here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a in a low point. Of, you know, one because of football. To this girl I was dating, it was like the, you know, the first love of my life, very serious relationship, her and I broke up. And so it was like a double whammy, like trying to deal with both of those things. So then I like, I put all my shit on Craigslist and was going to sell it, buy a motorcycle and like drive out to California. And I don't, I don't know what I was going to (laughs) do. Something I had some sort of, I was going to figure it out as I go or something like that. But then I had some, you know, my uh, rational thought fairy came to me and was like, hey, what do you really want to do here? And I was just like, well, as long as I could remember the passion and the dream was I was going to be an NFL football player, all pro, Hall of Fame, one of the greatest of all time, make millions of dollars right off in the sunset. Like that was the vision in my mind, right? Well, now I'm here in college, not even playing. And so it's like, well, <laughs> we're not even close to that. So like, well, what can we do here? And it's like, well, I still want to play football. I love this game. And at the very least, I want to be able to say that I played in, in university. I wanted to say that I played on a collegiate football team. So let's kind of get rid of this thought of things that we can't control. I can't control the NFL, mm-hmm. getting to the NFL. I, I can't control making millions of dollars. I can't control getting into the Hall of Fame, being an all pro. All of that is way too far down the road to even be worrying about that. So, like, let's just focus on what we can control. And what we can control is playing for a team, a university. So, here's your decision. You either transfer to another Division One school, lose a year of eligibility, and then play one more year. Or you transfer to a Division Two school where you don't have to sit out at all, and then you would have two full years of eligibility. Now, that, at the time was kind of a tough decision because it was like, there's this status that comes with being a division one football player. Yep. Right. It's like, yo, you're a D one football player. And so it's almost like, Oh, you're less like, you're not like I said, that status. And then, so it's an, it's an ego thing. So it was just like, well, what did you say was your goal here? Your goal was to play football on a collegiate team. It wasn't to play on a division one team. It wasn't to play on a, you know, D2 team, D3. It was just to play. What put you in the best position to play? Because, you know, there's a lot of variables that come into play. Say you transfer to a division one school and you sit out one year. And then that next year, you've got one year to make it happen. You could get hurt. Very happens all the time in football. It's a brutal sport or, you know, you could get beat out by somebody else or, you know, you're not one of the coaches guys that they brought in. So, you know, one of their guys plays over. There's just a lot of variables. So I just was like, 
I don't want to lose a year. That's my year. You know, I don't want anybody taking anything from me. So I was like, you know what? This has got to swallow my pride, like this ego thing here, worrying about the status, right? So mm-hmm. I made the decision to transfer to Division Two school to finish out my, you know, collegiate career. Uh, I ended up transferring to Indiana University of Pennsylvania. It's about an hour east of Pittsburgh. And from there, uh, things started turning like it was just like new school plan learning a new offense football was fun again it was awesome I was thriving I was about to play everything was looking great and then I shoot myself in the foot right I'm still not over some of those 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 past traumas those nefarious acts those inner demons that I was dealing with right I uh at a my birthday party during the summer um long story short some wildness takes place i end up falling off of a building break my pelvis so uh yeah (laughs) yeah uh yeah so i like i fall off this building and i break my pelvis and i now I'm like, you know, I put myself in this position to start throwing, you know, get myself out of this hole that I was in, kind of get myself back on track, stop being my own worst enemy. And then I shoot myself in the foot again. Now, this is something that like, you can't really, I, there's no one to blame here. Mm-hmm. No one to blame. Like, I can't, I can't say it was, wasn't a coach, wasn't a situation, wasn't this, wasn't that. It was me being a dumbass. It was me making a poor decision for and for what? No. For a good time yeah. to be cool in front of my friends. Now I'm paying the price, right? So that year was a scratch. Then you fast forward, finally get healthy sit out a year, finally get healthy, play my last year. And at this point, this between that and, you know, I had, then I also ran into a little bit of academic trouble for the first time. So between school, between getting hurt and the academic trouble, I was just like, it was like, bam, bam. And then it was like, I had to have this like coming to Jesus moment with myself where it was like, I couldn't bullshit anybody anymore. And in particular, I couldn't bullshit myself anymore. I was like, yo, I've got to take extreme accountability. Like all of these things that are, are going wrong in your life right now are your fault. You are making those decisions. You are, or you're putting yourself in position to have these things happen to you, whatever they are. Right. So it was like, what are you going to do? Are you, are you, you going to fold, you know, you're going to fold your hand call today, walk off, live a long life full of regret, or are you going to suck it up, do what you need to do to make things right, recover, get your grades right, write the ship, kind of fix some of those relationships with your teammates and your coaches that you tarnished because of your dumbassery, <laughs> you know, like, are you going to do those things? Or are you going to be 
a bigger, you know, the bigger person? Are you going to be a mature human being? Do those things necessary to kind of to write the ship? And so, you know, I, that's the decision that I made. And I was just like, from this point forward, there's just, there's, I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot. Someone else is going to have to shoot me in the foot. Yeah. So I, from that point, you know, I'd always been a solid student, but to be honest, school never really uh, did much for me um, outside of a couple particular classes here and there that I really gravitated towards. Um, but from that point on, I had like, I, you know, I excelled, you know, I was just like, yo, I'm going to, how you, one of the mantras that really, that I, I took with me from that point on going forward uh, is how you do anything is how you do everything. And I was just like, yo, you put all this work into training your body and being a great football player, but then you neglect all of these other areas of your life because you don't deem them important mm -hmm. or as important. But that's like the uh that's that's you not understanding that there is no separation there's there's no separation from one aspect of your life to the next they're all interconnected and to neglect one aspect of your being is to neglect all aspects of your being so how you do anything is how you do everything so it's like if i'm gonna go to school i'm gonna take the best notes i can take yeah I'm going to read that chapter the best that I can read that chapter. When I go and take this test, I'm going to take this test the best way I can do. When I take out the trash, I'm going to take the trash out the best way that I can. Everything. It, it can go to anywhere. It literally, it, it seeps into the rest of your life. So I just, I just held myself to that extreme accountability. And, you know, that year things really kind of, things just you know, it's crazy how much easier life got, <laughs> um, even though I was doing more work. And so it was, you know, school, I, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I had like a four O during that time, not overall, but at least, uh, you know, during those last two semesters, then, um, you know, football, you know, that year I was all American, uh, Gene Upshaw award finalist in division two, uh, team went you know we were one game away from the national championship game um we we're on it was a tremendous it was a tremendous year for me in football just and not just like because of the accolades but you know because of being able to be on that team with those guys and to play and be successful and you know be a part of like you know be a part of a group of men that were like-minded that had a common goal. And then, you know, all the other things that I was doing as well uh, outside of football, I was really excelling at as well, or forcing myself to like be the best that I could be in it. And it just, I, it made me a better player because of that, which then let me be a better teammate, which then let my team be better as well. Um, and then, you know, then I started getting, you know, there were scouts that came to practice and, or that were coming to practice. I had an agent, you know, we're preparing for the draft, uh, and, and free agency, the Bengals came calling. They wanted to bring me in, brought me in, you know, we go through OTAs, OTAs go through and I had, you know, 
the best two weeks of football that I had ever played, right? Just fully locked in, just physically humming, mentally humming, you know, an accumulation, an accumulation of 15 years of football, just like peaking. It was just like a great feeling. And then, you know, got an NFL jersey on, you got an NFL helmet on, right? You're just, I mean, that was what I had dreamed of since I was a little kid. Um, and then I had, you know, I, my physical, I had my shoulder came up, flagged me on a, uh, on the physical and I didn't get signed by the Bengals. And then that was, you know, that sucked. That was frustrating, but there was nothing I could do about that. Right. So I was like, can't focus on that. So I'm going to go to Canada. So then I got signed by the Montreal Alouettes, uh, went up to the Montreal Alouettes. I was with the Montreal, signed by them for about six months, but we didn't report until their camp started in October. It was like different. It's different than the NFL. So their camp starts October. So I go up there first day is just like all physical paperwork stuff. Second day we get our playbook kind of go through the playbook third day we're out on the field but the second before the third day that night i had a dream that i left montreal to start wrestling (laughs) and (laughs) i was like uh, you know i wake up i'm like okay you know it's a crazy dream and i'm not normally i'm not like a like i don't really remember my i'm not someone who remembers their dreams that often uh so i was just like oh that's crazy (laughs) completely uh, two different things football the wrestling you're in canada right so then i was just like all right uh i gotta get to practice you know i've got you know this is gonna be the first day we're out on the field i had a bunch of missed call about like six missed calls from the general manager and some text messages and i was like well that's kind of weird that he's blowing my phone up like that but at the time there was a potential player strike going on in canada so i was assuming that it was something to do with the player strike because i was notified that if there was a player strike they were gonna have to send me home because in canada and the cfl you can only have so many american players and i was like one of the except you know the american players so like so like i was one of the limited slots of so the if the strike came, they send back all the American players. So I was like, oh, damn, maybe the strike went through. So I get into the facility. I go into the office. I meet up with, uh, what was his name? What was that guy's name? Sean Mark was the GM at the time up there. I don't know if he still is, but <laughs> he was uh, he was just like, you know, we got to let you go. Oh, no. And I was like, and it was like, there was like no explanation it was very cut and dry. Yo, we got to let you go. And then I was like, I'm not even going to like argue. You know what I'm mean? like? Why? You know, like, I'm not going to be like, why do you, why? What happened? Like, I didn't even put pads on, dude. Like what? You know? So I was just like, all right. And then I went back to my room, grabbed my bag, went to the airport. And now I'm like, I'm kind of like, I'm salty. I'm like sulking. You know, I'm like, dude, I just like. I'd been signed 
by them for like six months. And I was going to come up here and my agents blowing me up. Cause there's a bunch of other Canadian teams that were, you know, looking to sign me because linemen are like a hot commodity in Canada. So it was just like, yo, it was early enough in camp. A bunch of teams were like, yo, let's, let's bring them in. Um, so in that process though, I'm in the airport and I'm drinking a couple airport beers <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm thinking about this dream and I'm like, man, you know, I don't, if I'm honest with myself here, my gut is telling me like, I'm done. I'm done playing football because to be honest, the Canada and, and to, if I was to be honest with myself at the time, which I, I was, I, I was chasing a paycheck mm-hmm. up in Canada. Like I was really only in Canada to get game film so I could get back to the NFL. But in that process, I wasn't like, I, I didn't have that same luster for the game that I had a few months before when I was with the Bengals. Like that wasn't there. And in a game where there's such dire consequences, not having that edge is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I had never, I had never played the game without it. So I just was like, I think it's time to move on. And if also, also, this was me actually listening to my gut and not second guessing myself for the first time, because part of the story I didn't tell you was when I transferred from Pitt, I knew a year before that I needed to transfer. I knew in my heart that I needed to transfer a year prior. But my pride and a girl got in the way. (laughs) You know, like I had this girl that I was, you know, this girl that I loved and I was seeing at the time who was living in Pittsburgh as well. And then also I just was like, yo, I just need another year, another camp. And I know I can prove myself and I, I know I'll be, it'll be cool. I just need another year. But I knew. I knew. And I didn't listen. Um, so this time, that dream was like, I don't know. It was a message from somebody telling me, hey, let's go. So I, I called my offensive line coach from college up, who's like, you know, real close in my life, even outside of football. So I just, you know, he's kind of like part of my inner circle. And I just was like, hey, man, I, am, I got released but I think I'm done playing football. And he was like, what are you going to do? I was like, dude, I think I'm going to (laughs) wrestle. And he just goes, he just was like, fuck yeah. And he was just like, he was, cause he was just a big wrestling fan. So he just was for it. And then I was, and I'm sure he could hear in my voice that I was like a hundred percent, you know? Did you have, Uh, were you a fan of it? before you had that dream or did did it come out of nowhere like oh i feel like i I could do this because you hear a lot of the stories where football players go in that direction because of the the grit the athletic competition but did you have were you a fan of it before making that transition yeah so like growing up when i was younger i watched wrestling 
but you know, like everybody, you know, you hit like 12, 13 years old and you, you, it's, you're too cool for wrestling. Right. (laughs) Right. So you stop Well, you're like, I'm not watching that fake shit. Right. You're not watching wrestling anymore or whatever. Um, but I had always told myself, I had always told myself that when I got done playing football, I was going to be a wrestler. Okay. Cause I knew, I knew that I could be, I knew that I could be a wrestler. More importantly, I wanted to, because I saw one of my, you know, favorite parts of wrestling was the personalities. Mm Mm-hmm. Like those big, larger than life personalities. Like, yeah, the wrestling's cool, right? Slamming people, that's cool. <laughs> um, but like to me, it was like the personas. Like that was what was cool. And to me, I was like, yo, I can do that. The entertainment factor, basically. Right. right. And so I just was like, I know I could do that. And you know, when you're in school and you have a teacher that asks, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you like tell them. Yep. And most people try to like tell them some something realistic about, you know, I'm gonna be a an accountant or some <laughs> shit like that. And they're like, okay, what are you gonna do to take steps to get to that? I would always tell them, like, yo, I'm gonna be in the NFL. And then they would get like, Well, Dan, that's great goals to have, but that's maybe set your your sights on something more realistic. Oh. <laughs> Right. And then I would just be like, yeah, I was like, well, I was like, it is real realistic. I mean, I would just like break it down on like why it was realistic. And then they're like, well, what if you get hurt? What's your backup plan? And I was like, well, then I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And then that would make them even saltier. And then they would, <laughs> and then that would just make them saltier because it was just more unrealisticness. And then and then they would ask me whatever my third plan was. And I would tell them I was going to be a porn star or whatever, really to just put a, put the cherry on. Top Make them even saltier. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, so it had, it, it was back in my subconscious. It wasn't like, wasn't out of left field, but it definitely wasn't on my mind at the time. You know what I mean? I was fully focused on football. Mm-hmm. so that dream kind of came it did come out of nowhere but it had always been something in the back of my mind that i was like yo i could do this and i want to do this more importantly more than just i could do it as i want to do it and i'm gonna excel at it so i called my agent and was like yo al thank you man i appreciate everything that you've done for me but uh you could tell those teams like I'm I'm done playing football. And he was just like, all right. And like, that was kind of that. We kind of went our ways. And then I called my grandpa and I was like, yo, Gramps, uh, I could just got cut. Uh, and I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I am pretty sure I just overdrafted my account on, uh, airport beers and I need a place to stay. <laughs> So my gramps just being my guy, always, you know, always looking out for me. He, uh, you know, there's a spot for me in the basement. So I moved back to Erie. I moved into the basement, uh, which sucked, you know, having to move back home type thing. Mm-hmm. It's like real, real, real shot to the gut there. But 
you know, I spent a week just like chilling in the basement. Slat, like kind of mourning like the death of this relationship that I had with football, right? Slash preparing for the next adventure that I was about to embark on. And I was like, okay, what do I got to do to get to the WWE? Like what, what, well, like, how do I make this happen? Cause I don't know any, I don't have a friend that works for the company. I don't have an uncle or cousin or famous, whatever. Like, how do I get here? So I just started searching stuff online and I was like, okay, well, there's these schools all over the place. So I started calling some reputable schools around my area. There's this place in Allentown called the wild Samoans. There were these guys that were, you know, like the seventies, eighties, they were like these two, you know, this part of this Samoan dynasty was really, you know, famous in wrestling. And, you know, they ran this school in Allentown. So I called them. They never picked up. <laughs> they never picked their phone up, dude. I left messages. It was like five hours from my crib. Never picked up messages. Never got back to me. So then I called this place in Louisville, Kentucky called o- OVW, Ohio, Ohio Valley Wrestling. Now, this school used to be the training ground for the WWE back in the day. So I was like, yo, I mean, this is as good of a school as any. So I called them first ring. This guy, Matt Capitelli picks up Matt Capitelli is like an angel. Okay. This dude is literally like an angel. Like God sent him into my life to help steer me in the right track. Um, I'm extremely blessed and honored to have known Matt Capitelli and have him come into my life. Um, one of the most ge- genuine, authentic, caring individuals i've ever met and like what's the word i'm looking for here um unconditional that's the word i'm looking for like the only no condition i talked to this dude for 45 minutes when we called i told this dude like my whole scenario like hey man i just you know football this that yada 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 i'm back in this position and i'm looking to try and get into wrestling just told him what i was about what i was trying to do and then he just he listened and then spent time kind of telling me what i needed to be prepared and i he was just like you know in three months or four months we start a class in october it's june at the time it was like in October, we started class. It's like $6,000. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like six, 6,000 bucks. And, uh, yeah, you're, you know, like I'll see you here October 18th. So I was like, all right, well, I got off the phone and I just was like, well, I need to get, I need to find a job. I need to make $6,000 between June. It was the beginning. It was right around my birthday. Um, and then, which is like June 8th and then October 18th. So I just was like, yo, I got to find a job. Um, so I had a high school, one of my high school football coaches, his brother-in-law worked at a car dealership, like one of the big dealerships in Mm -hmm. Erie. And, uh, I had never really had a real job 
you know, like I did manual labor with my dad when I was younger, but you know, football paid the bills in college. And then I never, like, I never, you know, I had a bouncing job. For, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call that a job even. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I had more fun doing that than I would if I like was actually going out. So I don't know if I would really call it a job. I just was getting paid to do it. Uh, but so I like, this was my first time in like the real world, like work experience. They needed a sales assistant. And it was like, yo, well, if you get this job, you get paid 400 bucks a week. And I was like, all right, if I get paid 400 bucks a week over X amount of time, I'll have this much money, which will be enough to get me covered and then find a job. When I get down to Louisville, I was like, I can make this happen. So I go to this interview show up to this interview. I start talking to one of the guys, you know, we kind of go back and forth. Next thing I know, he brings in another manager, me and these other guys are kind of going back and forth. We're all talking, having a good time. Next thing I know, the guy goes, you know, we kind of go from like chumming it up to like straight to business. And he just goes, Hey, he's like, uh, would you want to be a salesman? And I was just like, how much does it pay? <laughs> All about the money. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, how much does this job pay? And he was like, well, it's a commission based job. Uh, but you know, based on per sale you make, you'll make X amount of money. And then when you get five sales, you'll get a bonus that will retroactively fit the five sales. And then if you hit 10, you'll make this much. And it was a pretty nice like amount of money. And I was just like, yeah, bro. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I would like that job. Because <laughs> it was a lot more money than I was making as that sales assistant. So I became a car salesman. Uh, and I realized really quick that I loved sales. It was like the first car I ever sold and I got the little X mark on the big sheet that was up in the boardroom that, uh, you know, everyone's name was there. You got an X next to your name per sale that you got. And like, as more X's you got, you went up the leaderboard. It was just like, it was a great feeling, dude. I remember first sale I made, I like got off the phone. I went out in between the cubicles and just started karate fighting the air. You know what I mean? Like I was jacked up. <laughs> um, so that was, that was fun. Um, I was the leading salesman over the new car department for three months, all three months that I was there. Um, was it like a boost of confidence? Because you talked about everything in your life so far has been, it's gone good, but then something backtracked you. But this was a chance where things were going well. Were you ever worried that something might have gone, would have go the wrong way or you would lose that steam in, in a sense? You mean with, with sales? Well, yeah, because you, you talked about like football, like you got into college, injuries happened, didn't play, you kind of transferred, you got back, but then an injury happened. So anything good that happened, it somehow got deteriorated backwards. Were you ever right. worried about that at all? No. So I think one of my true superpowers is like, I have this, I have this 
freakish sense of like self-belief that like no matter what i'm gonna make it happen like no matter what is whatever that i have ahead of me like i'm gonna make it happen like me making it to the nfl or not making it to the nfl was like a shock to me Mm -hmm. right like that was like i couldn't believe that that didn't happen right like me becoming a like this guy offering me a, a car sales job was like yeah no problem i'm gonna do great at this and like then great at, you know what i mean like i'm gonna become like the the whole thing about becoming a pro wrestler mm-hmm. was like i knew my the whole thing i kept telling myself the whole time is i just need to get in front of the right person and yeah. if the right person sees me then everything will take care of itself because i have what it takes like mm-hmm. I'm what they are looking for. And like, I didn't, I didn't just think that, like, I believe that. And I believe that you can, you create shit with your mind. Mm-hmm. And maybe when I was younger, I didn't really realize it. I think that, I think that I developed that as a, almost as a defense mechanism as a child. Because I was always being told because I came from, you know, the lower socioeconomic bracket, I came from a dysfunctional family. I had everyone around me that wasn't really doing anything with their life and people always telling me that I wasn't going to be anything. Like I developed this sense of like, no, fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm destined for something great. Like I have greatness in me. I'm going to show you. Mm-hmm. And some of that is like that, like me trying to prove. So there's a little bit of ego in there, but if you really want to, if you really want to get introspective and you want to like dice that onion and peel back those layers there more than ego. Cause it's, that's what everyone thinks it is initially is ego from the outside. Well, I was like, Oh, that's ego. Well, you don't want to know what that really is, bro. It's like hurt. It's like a, a scared little boy that's being like not loved. Mm-hmm. And all I want to do is be loved. So I, I need to be great to show you that I'm great. So that now that I'm great, you can love me. That's what that really is. If you, if you want to get deep. <laughs> so I developed that as, as a defense mechanism. And that ego, right, is what allowed me to have the velocity to escape the orbit of my upcoming or upbringing. And that was necessary for me to break through out of the atmosphere into outer space of greatness, right? You know? Like that, that was a tool that was given to me. I don't know why the creator gave it to me. He gave it to me so that I could use it and wield it. Now it's been a double-edged sword, you know, like I've cut myself as deep as I've cut others with, you know, like Mm -hmm. you have to learn how to, to wield that thing. And I've, you know, I'm still learning right every day, but over, over time, I've gotten much better with that. And I, That belief has just always been there. You can create your own reality. 
And that's one of the things that I try to, with my show, Spark in the Dark, is like, I bring people on that show that are unique entities, like these people from all different walks of life that are kind of unorthodox, but like they're successful mm-hmm. in their field or whatever it is. And it's like, hey, I want to let you know that like, you don't have to color in between the lines to be successful. Like, you can color wherever you want on this piece of paper if it makes you happy, but you got to believe it. And yeah. sometimes you got to create, you got to just, you got to create, you got to, you know, you got to blaze a path that wasn't there. You got to, you got to, sometimes you got to go, uh, despite what everyone thinks, despite everyone's doubt of what you're doing or where you're going, you're going to go and get there. And for me, you know, that's kind of where I've always been. And I think that that's always helped me. Um, and that now that's not to say that the, those times of, of setback or failure, right. Weren't hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm still a human, right. <laughs> I'm still a human. I still, I still dealt with, you know, all of those emotions that come with that. But I think the big thing is, is just like, even though I would be dealing with those emotions of sadness, of hurt, of depression, even in, in certain, certain circumstances where I was just super low, I never stopped moving, never stopped doing, even if it wasn't with the same enthusiasm or the same intensity as if it was, if I was, you know, not hurt emotionally. Right. I still was doing things. And I still had the belief that like this sucks. Right. And when I was younger, I'd catch myself more. Woe is me. You know, that woe is me type. I mean, why me? Why this situation? Right. But like, I would catch myself and be like, well, I'm going to get, I I know things are going to get better if I just keep going. But right now it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) But if I keep going, it's not going to suck as much. So that, you know, to answer your question, no. I, I <laughs> <laughs> um, so I get the money, you know, I sell all these cars, I make the money, I drive to Louisville, Kentucky. Drive to Louisville, Kentucky. I report first day, Saturday morning, October 18th. 8.30 a.m. I remember it. <laughs> it's like a movie, my, movie script right now. <laughs> yes. I drove my... So so I had to sell. So I had to be in Louisville, Kentucky at 8.30 a.m. on a Saturday. Louisville is nine hours from Erie, Pennsylvania. Friday, I wanted to leave Thursday night, get there a day early. But... I was one car away from hitting my bones. Oh, one, and that was the difference between like an extra thousand dollars or an extra three thousand dollars. Like it was like an exponential amount of money, and I really needed that extra couple G's. So I was like, "All right, I'm gonna just gonna I'm gonna pack everything up. 
I'm gonna have everything ready. I'm just gonna work. I'm gonna grind out this last day and just get this last car sold. I don't know how I'm gonna get this last car sold, <laughs> but I'm gonna just get this last car sold. And I'm like sitting on the lot, and I'm like, you know, calling. There was a, a you know, somebody that I was talking to that was like wanting to buy a suburban. And then there was somebody or a Tahoe. And then there was somebody that was coming in and, you know, sometimes you get people off the lot and this and that. And I'm just like, I don't know if it's going to happen. And it's like getting later in the day and I needed to leave by a certain time. So I just was like, man, I don't I think I'm going to not get this sale. And then sure enough, somebody called and they were like, yo, I want that Tahoe. And I just was like, <laughs> all right, bro, come down. I'll have all the paperwork taken care of. Got off the phone, more karate fight in the air, you know, <laughs> filled out all the paperwork, did all of that. Drove back home to say goodbye to my grandpa and my mom got in the Cadillac and I drove straight to Louisville. I got to the warehouse at 8 AM and then with like no sleep. And then I, I showed up. We started at eight thirty, and uh, I started training right at the nick of time. Right in the nick of time, everything worked out. Um, so, but Lou, that was that. You know, so then I trained there for about five weeks, five or six weeks, and then I got one day I got a call from a from a number in Connecticut. Normally I don't pick, I don't pick up random numbers, but I know that the WWE headquarters is in Connecticut. Everyone will answer the phone if they're trying to be in the WWE, if it's a Connecticut phone number. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) So, and I'm, I'm working at a, you know, I'm actually working at a GNC at this time. So I'm like working in the store. I get this call and I'm like, I knew, I just knew it was that. So I like, no one was, thank God nobody was in the store. But I went in, I went, locked the front door so nobody could come in. I locked the front door, took this call. It was the, you know, vice president of talent relations, Canyon Seaman, you know, Hey man, just got your, uh, just got your information came across my desk and, uh, you know, we're interested. We want to bring you down to, to our tryout. Only thing is our tryouts in 13 days. And, uh, you know, I know it's kind of short notice. If you're not in shape, there's another, uh, there's another tryout in six months, but if you're not ready, just let me. And before he could finish, I just was like dmatha 67 gmail.com send the itinerary. I was like, I'll see you, bro. <laughs> that, that was like, I was like, boop, uh, hung up. And then more started fighting <laughs> karate in the boxes in the back of the place um because like bro i stay in shape like getting getting shape i don't need to get in shape that's the key that's so this is a key lesson to anybody out there if you always stay ready you never have to get ready that's true i was in the best up to that point i was in the best shape of my life he called me there was no doubt that i was going to go down there and i was going to smoke that tryout i was going to smoke it I was going to do that tryout better than anybody could do a tryout. I was going down to that tryout to get hired. Hands down. There was no doubt. There was no disbelief. It was like this. Every And everything that happened 
up to that point had worked for that to happen. Everything was happening as it was supposed to be. So 13 days goes by. I fly down to Orlando. We have the tryout. There was really no wrestling that took place in the tryout. It's just three days of, of like cardio hell. <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just go. So the WWE Performance Center has, you know, it's a giant warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the bottom floor, they've got a weight room, turf racks, you know, the whole nine yards training room. And then on the other side of the building is all wrestling rings. Seven wrestling rings. So at the time, they're doing, you know, you'd come in, you'd practice, you know, the session would start. They'd go through a warm up. The warm up was really a workout. Uh, it was like a body weight workout <laughs> that they <laughs> they called a warm up. And then after that, you would go through these different drills. And they'd have all these different type of drills that you could do in a ring. But the thing was, you would go from one ring, do the drill, get out of the ring, go to the next ring, do that drill again, rinse, repeat seven times through until you got back around. Then you would go through a different drill. And you would literally do that for three straight hours. Wow. And you do that with coaches in every ring yelling at you, (laughs) critiquing you. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a... It was just a pressure cooker. They wanted what it was, was it was just like mental warfare. They want, they didn't like, it wasn't whether or not you were going to break. Like they knew people were going to physically be exhausted. You were going to get, you were going to empty the tank doing that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't, that wasn't the point of the drill was to see who could continue to go. Even though there were some of us that could continue to go. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, were you going to quit or not? That was all that it was. It was like, how bad do you want this? Are you in shape? Are you, do you really want this? A lot of people want this job. There's a million people out in the world that want this job. Why should we give you this job? Yep. So you do that for three days. On the third day, they add... Um, they add a promo. So you've got to, you've got to have a, you got to cut a promo, a monologue for those of you who don't know what a promo is. So you cut a 60 second monologue and it's got to be 60 seconds. They give you your time cues. Cause you know, on television, you may have a 60 second slot and you got to hit, you got to hit the slot. You go too long. Commercial break hits. No one hears what you have to say. You just <laughs> killed yourself you go too short and like they've got all this dead time so you got to hit your times so you got 60 seconds and this is really what makes or break a performer because there's tons of great athletes out there there's tons of great athletes in the world but this is sports entertainment yeah it's not just sports so it's like can you shine with a microphone in your hand can you shine when the red light's on and everybody in the room's looking at you and nothing's nothing's worse than cutting a promo in front of all of your peers. You know, like it's way easier to cut promos in front of, you know, two, three, 10,000 people than it is in front of, you know, 50 of your peers just watching you. <laughs> and then like, they're not even, they're just 
<laughs> blank stares. Right. They're just, well, it's not even that. They're just judging you. It's like that judgmental eye that's on you. They're waiting because they're watching you from a performer's eye. Mm-hmm. They're just like, they're critiquing everything. They're waiting for you to, they're waiting for you to, to slip up or whatever. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a pressure cooker, but I just was like, this is my time to shine. <laughs> this is my time to shine. Cause like, I look the way I do, you know, I, you know, I'm six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, you know, legend has it. I'm six, nine, you know, whatever, somewhere <laughs> in that range, somewhere in that range uh 285 and I, you know i look great you know i look great i've you know i've built a great physique over these years of training like from a physical standpoint you look at me i look great i look the part and that's what people expect but like i don't want to be known for that mm-hmm. i like that that is a part you know obviously i put a lot of effort into training this way but like, I don't want people to be like, oh, he's just a big guy, right? It's like, no, I'm an entertainer. I have something else to offer other than being big, other than being jacked, other than being strong. You know, like I bring other things to the table and I need you to know about that because this right here, what you see is always what's going to get people's attention. I know this. I know ever since I've, I, Ever since I was a little kid, people have been staring at me like, what is this? Creep? You know what I mean? Like, I've always been the biggest kid in my class. I've always been, you know, and then once I hit puberty and I just got ginormous, this is like people just stare at me all the time. It doesn't matter where I go. People just stare like I'm like a wild animal, like out of its enclosure, you know, at the zoo. So I like, I get it. Like, I understand that. But it's like, no, I'm I'm more than that. And like, let me show you. So like, this was my time to shine and, you know, promo comes, do my thing, killed it, killed the promo. I was being, and you, you know, when you do, and, and I've learned this, uh, in acting through acting classes, training, et cetera, you know, when you have a great performance, you don't need anybody to tell you when you have a great performance, mm-hmm. because when the performance is over, like it's something like something you leave something a part of yourself there you feel that and it's like damn (laughs) and you don't need to talk about it with anybody yeah i don't need you to tell me how great you know and not to say like yeah you want to sure you can great job blah 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 thank you you know i appreciate that thank you for taking the time to to watch my segment etc etc but like i don't need that like i don't need i know and, you know, it was like one of those things where I knew. And then I just, I walked out of the, the gym to go take pictures like we were supposed to. In that process, I get snagged, pull me aside. They start talking to me. And they go, hey, we're going to sign you. And then I just was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. So then it was just like, you know. I did it. You know, I, up to that point, like I, everything, everything was just coming, falling into place. And uh, now that was like, so that happened in January. I didn't report until September though. So that was like, nine, Oh wow. <laughs> nine months of just chilling. So I had to like find ways to like occupy myself. So, you know, like I continued to train, re- train for wrestling outside of the WWE. 
I decided to do a bodybuilding show for shits and gigs because <laughs> I needed a challenge and I didn't have anything to challenge me. And I just, you know, I always hear that prepping for a physique competition or bodybuilding competition is the most mentally challenging thing you could do. So I just was like, oh yeah, well, let's find out how challenging this is. So I, you know, I was training at this gym, this bodybuilding gym. And, uh, I just, this dude was like a, tra- he was a nutritionist and this was, you know, I had a, a one-on-one nutritional base at that time in my life. I wasn't, you know, more than, more than beginner, more like an intermediate amount of knowledge on nutrition, but by no means would I have considered myself like an expert at that time. So I was like, I'm going to need someone to help me with my diet, but like training, I got that down pat. So I just need someone to help me with like my, my training. So I found this dude who I knew, uh, in the local area, Jack, who was a bodybuilder himself. And I just was like, Hey man, I just want, I want to challenge myself. I want to see what this is about. And he was like, well, there's a show in about 12 weeks. And I was like, all right, let's do it, dude. And so he was just like, all right. He was like, yeah, normally, you know, I'm normally it's like a minimum of 16 weeks to get ready, but you look like you're already in pretty good shape. So we just started doing, we started training for the show. Um, I did this physique show, um, took second place in it, but to be honest with you, it was the first thing that I had ever done in my life where I wasn't competing to win okay and it was weird because like i i I wasn't doing the the competition to to beat anybody like there was no like oh i want to beat this person or beat that person or like i just wanted to challenge myself personal challenge to see if you could do it and like be prepared and right right i uh, and, and yes exactly and I had no desires to be a bodybuilder. You know what I mean? Like I, I like bodybuilding. I enjoy watching guys and seeing guys physiques and women's physiques that train really hard. Like I do enjoy that. Right. But like, I had no desire to be a bodybuilder, but I knew at that point in my life that if I just focused on me and just, you know, I just follow the code of how you do anything is how you do everything that like, I will be in the best shape I possibly could be. And most likely will be in a position to win. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, that process was just like, it was just, you know, it gave me something to keep my mind occupied on. Also was like, yo, I'm going to come into the WWE, right. Just being in the best shape of my life. And then I learned, like I said, I learned a lot about my body on, how to train you know nutrition in that process and i think that that's important a lot of times we get hyper fixated on specificity you see a lot of people they want to just focus on one thing and get really good at one thing which i'm all for i you know that's what i did in the early part of my life with football i just hyper fixated on that but there's something that you can't gain until you start developing skills outside of whatever it is that you want to become a master at. Mm-hmm. 
all those other things start rippling into all the other crevices of your life and they leak back into whatever the main thing is. So I, I learned a lot from that process. Then, you know, you know, I, you know, I was like, okay, this is a very difficult, challenging thing, but I did it and I did it and I didn't, you know, I didn't skip, cut a corner, miss a beat, nothing. Like I did it. And it was just like, it was a self gratification thing. Like I didn't need a trophy or an award or money or anything. It was just like, yo, this is awesome. And I got to spend like the, the after the after event with like my close friends, right? Like we went to dinner afterwards and I got to enjoy a meal and they got to like (laughs) see my crap. You know what I mean? It was very simple. Like, it wasn't like, man, I want to win the national championship or I want to get a a contract, you know, like, or I want to get, you know, I want to become a WWE superstar. It wasn't anything like, it was just like, yo, I went to the show. I mean, I paid, I had to pay 500 bucks to do it. You know what I mean? Like I lost money. You know what I mean? Like it's a scam. Like those the NPR like or uh the what are, what are they what is, is it NPR? It's not NPR. What is uh not IFBB? What's under I the federation that's under IFBB? I can't remember it. I keep wanting I would to have say no NPR. idea. Right. I, I keep wanting to say NPR, but it's that's a podcast. <laughs> 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 but anyway, like it's it's a, like they just suck money out of people, right? All these people that want to be bodybuilders. But that process was just like, it was very satisfying because it was like, yo, I like I'm competing, but I'm not competing. And like the outcome isn't important. It was about the process. Mm -hmm. It was about the journey of getting to the end. And like then afterwards, I got like my friends and family got to see the work that I put in. They got to see that I told them I was going to do this thing and then I did it. And then it was just adding to the credibility of me, the person. Cause like, that's one thing that I kind of take pride in is like anything I've ever told anyone I was going to do, like I've done it no matter how crazy it's been. And I think that that's very important because if you can't keep, you know, you're, you're telling it to other people. Yeah. But you're really telling it to yourself. And if you can't trust yourself, if you can't keep a promise to yourself, then who can you? Correct. So that takes place. I report to camp like two uh, or report to the WWE like a week later, two weeks later. And then, you know, just go through the meat grinder of training in the performance center. Um, and that, you know, I was with the WWE for five years. Um, about six months in to the WWE, I started getting my live shows, like the real small armories and things like that. And then I slowly started working my way up to starting to perform more shows, starting to get to perform at bigger venues. And, you know, then, you know, over time, you know, you get better at your craft you know they start trusting you more you start working with better people other performers you start learning more i got to start traveling you know got to travel around the world um one of the cool things i got to do while working with the wwe was uh they would you know they'd hold tryouts and they would bring 
they would have some of the talent, some of the wrestlers help run the tryouts, like all the physical stuff. And like, that was like one of my favorite things to do. Like uh, other than perform was to like Mm -hmm. do run the tryouts. And it was just, you know, it's fun. You know, you're around all these people that are like pursuing their dreams and aspirations. And then like, you're in a, like kind of a coach position as well. So, you know, and I, I like that. I like that. You know, I could totally see myself being a coach one day. So it was just, you know, it was fun. Um, and then I got to, you know, I got to coach, you know, I got to help with the tryout in Dubai. I got to help with the tryout in Saudi Arabia. I've got to, you know, go to London, I travel all over the world through that process um but you know i guess to get us up to to speed on present day right before the pandemic i had been with the wwe for five years uh right before the pandemic i or right as the pandemic started in march i was in a car accident uh march 28th 2020 uh i was in a car accident and i was ejected through the front window of my car uh 60 miles an hour uh one second i was driving down the road like hey this is kind of a weird intersection and then the next thing you know i wake up and i'm laying on the concrete and there's like three people laying over top of me and i was like you know there's an ambulance in the distance there's chaos all around I'm just like, what's going on? (laughs) You know, like, uh, this is extremely scary. And then the next memory I have, because, like, I don't remember any of the accident. I don't remember, like, oh, shit, a swerve, like, uh, any, like, it was like, this is a weird intersection. Waking up on the concrete, zero memory of the accident. Um, I wake up people over top of me i got up like i stood up and was like and this lady i remember this lady like grabbing my face and like squeezing like kind of like my cheeks and being like i'm such and i'm so and so i'm like a nurse practitioner and like you need to lay back down your neck might be broken and i know that that's true i don't know if i did it or not you know like because i don't remember because then the next thing i remember is being on the stretcher Mm -hmm. put into the ambulance but then i remember the paramedics dropping me (laughs) (laughs) because and to give them credit i was too big for the stretcher (laughs) hanging off the stretcher and shit these two dudes were probably just like really strong they were like dude we we didn't know we were going to have to lift up Gigantor into the back of the paramedics. <laughs> so they got me. I think that if I remember correctly, they were like asking for help for a third person. <laughs> uh, and then we got into the paramedics. And then they were just hauling ass to Orlando trauma. And I'm like asking questions, trying to figure out what's happening. And they were just like, they couldn't find my wallet. So I was in the system as John Doe and they just were like, you know, sir, you were in a car accident. You were ejected through your front window and we believe your neck is broken. 
Yeah. So that was like a a really frightening scenario because I'm like strapped to this stretcher harness strapped every part of my body is strapped so i can't even like move anything but i'm just like i had this weird feeling that like even though i was scared and like my body was like in trauma (laughs) you know i was like i had this weird sense of relief behind all the fear and trauma that i was gonna that i was okay Mm -hmm. and then they get me to orlando trauma there's like a team weight and they poke and prod they run every test they stick me into the cat scanner they pull me out about 30 minutes later and which felt like seven hours (laughs) that's the longest 30 minutes ever the doc comes in and he just goes man i don't know who you are or where you're from but there's nothing wrong with you Oh, wow. He was like, you got a a real nasty gash on the back of your head. He's like, you know, we put five staples in there. We're going to have to put like 12 more stitches. He's like, you got some road burn down the left side of your body. Your wrist and elbows kind of banged up, but there was no cranium bleeding. There's no ruptures. There's no bulging discs. There's no fractures. Your pelvis is intact. I went, they took me up to my room. I stayed in my, I was in my room by myself. I, uh, and that night was just like, uh, it was this between my brain being rattled around and like all the emotions of everything that took place. I just remember just kind of like breaking down and just being like, man, like, like, I like almost like I, I want to say there were like tears of joy, but like, I don't know. They were just tears, dude. I don't even know if I was happy or sad or what I just was like, and I know that like emotional outbursts are kind of part of head trauma, but I just like, just like unloaded, just like cried in the, in the bed. And it was like, man, this is so crazy. This situation but I'm so fucking happy that like my neck is not broken. You know, like I'm so happy that like I'm healthy for the most part, other than bleeding and road burn, which sucked because there was like gravel in my skin and shit. But like I'll take gravel, I'll take that over the alternative. Um well definitely because the- of like the recovery time. If you had a broken neck, you couldn't do maybe things that you wanted to do in the future. But with the injury you had, the recovery time is probably less than going through therapy, physical therapy and stuff like that. Because, I mean, you see it on like TV shows or those ER shows and people going through similar things with neck injuries and their future is not what they thought it would be in a way. Yeah, well, a, a broken neck in that scenario for me is like an entire life altering you know what i mean like there's like a paradigm shift in my life mm-hmm. yeah you know, like this tool that has provided me with a life full of adventure is no longer useful anymore yeah 
which you know it it would be a lot to deal with but that didn't happen and like you know it's this you know flesh wound and it's nothing (laughs) (laughs) i'll take a flesh wound so 11 30 a.m dude my nurse came she put me on the wheelchair wheeled me to the door my homeboy came picked me up got up hopped in the car took me home walked there that was that um i went home i slept i went home and i slept i got (laughs) sleeping um and then i you know two weeks later i got released by the wwe um let me guess budget cuts (laughs) yeah 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 um yeah because of the pandemic they released like 40 percent of the staff and also i was just in a car accident as well so it was just like it would be a while so you'll get back into the ring well yeah it was just a good opportunity for them you know for all that to take place so um you know, it was just like one of those things. And to be honest, I was kind of, I was unhappy with my circum, like my circumstance with the company at that point. Um, I'd been with the company for five years and I was, you know, that last year was kind of unhappy with the way things were going. And I felt like I wasn't being listened like my, my displeasures with the way I was being used weren't being listened to or they were being listened to. And they were, I just, I wasn't getting honest information back from them. I was expressing how I was feeling. They were telling me something, but what they were telling me wasn't necessarily what was real. And that became really frustrating. During, during your career, you were mostly live events and you only had, from what I know, you only had one main roster, which was the greatest Royal Rumble event. And that's such a quick, not many people in the United States probably saw unless they were watching it. But then you came back and then you weren't being used as much. Then you made NXT UK. And that was almost like the end of your career was over there. And the whole transformation, your character, basically. Yeah, it was yeah there was this well there was there was never an effort to like a like to use me as a character yeah you know what i mean it was just like places like they needed me to like the greatest royal rumble they just needed bodies and like don't get me wrong it was a super cool experience to be able to be out in front of sixty-seven thousand people you know like it was a cool experience right but it's not as a wrestler that's not like you don't just want to be a guy that's filling a spot like you want to be a character you want to have more appearances than that yeah you want to be a character on the weekly episodic television show yes you know like you want to so you want to establish your presence and like have an opportunity to build your character so the fans can start like deciding whether or not they like you or not so that you know what I mean, like that's what that's what that is. Like that's what you put all this work in for. That's what you do all the creative aspect of wrestling for. That's all the 
the storylines that you write out, the storylines that you pitch, the promos that you cut, the gear that you buy, the way that you envision your character, the way he walks, the way he talks, his moveset, you know, all his little in-game expressions that I would yell in the ring, right? Like (laughs) there was a lot of thought that I put into what I did. And, and, you know, it, it was just, that was what I was pursuing. Didn't yeah. they kind of like promote promote you in a way, and then didn't like Samoa Joe like attack you on your date your debut? Yeah, yeah. in yeah. a way. I and think co- I was that was like early. I think I, I was maybe like eight months deep into the company as well. Um, so it was just a filler spot, basically. You were just well, planted there to be that individual that got. Yeah. Attacked. Well, they needed so you know they Samoa Joe had just come over to NXT. And they were trying to make Joe look like a monster, right? And they were just like, you know, who do we have that are guys that don't have TV equity that aren't going to probably be on TV for a long time? Who are guys that look good that we can, like, have Joe beat and make Joe look like a killer? And then somebody had this idea, like, oh, we've got this friggin' ginormously jacked... (laughs) dude you know what i mean that's been here for like eight months we could you know do something with him and then like they were like you know they just were like well let's do these throw these promos together and build him like he's going to be something and then have joe come in and i mean (laughs) it's cool like honestly though like that that didn't really that never really bugged me because it was like you know that's supposed to be kind of a part of the business like Mm -hmm. You, when you, you know, you help because this is a misconception in wrestling. People think that it's an individual sport, but pro wrestling is a team game. The problem is, is it attracts a bunch of, you know, star solo stars, right? Everybody that's this, these, they want to be the star. Yeah. They want, you know, that they want all the attention on them. But it's like, yo, your job is to help each other get over. Your job is to help lift everybody up. And at that time, my role was to make Joe look like a monster. And and you do that in in good faith, expecting that later down the road that that will be paid back to you. You know what I mean? That's why you do that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's why that you're cool. And I come from, you know, I come from a team game. I come yeah. from football. And and more than just football, I come from I was an offensive lineman. But like we're the the most selfless players in a team game. Like we're five guys that work as one, they get no credit. And the only time we ever get talked about is when we do wrong. <laughs> and it's not about us getting the credit. Like our job is to protect and smash. You know what I mean? Like that's our job. So it's like, that's cool, man. I've got no problems assisting somebody. I've got no problem helping anybody. I don't have a problem with that. So that was like my thought process on that. Um, and by no means, and Joe was great. Like I, I liked, you know, I was happy to do that for Joe. Joe was always a super cool dude. Um, all my interactions with Joe were always awesome. Joe was one of the, like the, you know, the veterans that was like a approachable dude that would be willing to, you know, share some information with you, 
you know, look out for you, et cetera. So I had, you know, no problems doing that. Since your release, have you wanted to ever go back into wrestling or do you like the path that you're taking now and doing what you want to do? So this is the million dollar question. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, man, I had a pretty bad taste in my mouth with wrestling after, you know, between the, you know, the accident and then being released, you know, I just felt like it was, kind of, I just felt like it was a grimy move. And, uh, especially cause I had asked for my release back in December. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they, you know, they didn't give it to me. And it was just like, you know, you wasted like four months where I could have been trying to pursue other companies that wanted my services. Um, and maybe that's why they held on to me. I don't know, but it just, you know, left a poor taste in my mouth. And then, you know, between the accident, the pandemic, losing your job, being in a shit ton of pain, it takes its toll on you mentally, Mm -hmm. you know, and I wasn't the, you know, we all were going through it, you know, during the pandemic. Right. You know, like after like the first month or two, it wasn't like vacation anymore. It was like, Jesus Christ. Like, when are we going to go back? You know? (laughs) So like, when, when am I going to get back to normal life? So, you know, there was that toll. And then there was the toll of the, you know, I, even though I physically was able to be back, I think I underestimated the caution and like what that did, you know, to my, to my, like to my emotions. Mm -hmm. Cause it was like, yo, I'm back. And I got cleared to be back. You know, I went to a vestibular therapist and that's like the vestibular system deals with like your balance and your brain and things like that. So, you know, I got cleared by the vestibular therapist, I was starting to work out again. I was running, going to yoga. I didn't want to lift any weights though. It was like, I didn't like, and some of that was because I was actually dealing, I was actually recovering more from my wrestling injuries than I was from the car accident injury. You know, you got to think I had been trained, you know, wrestling for six straight years mm-hmm. with like no time off. Most time you'd get is like maybe two weeks around Christmas time. But other than that, you're just like right back at it. And you do that for that long and, you know, you just push through and just you work and you lose the baseline of what normal is in terms of like pain. You know, like you, you lose where homeostasis is. So like now it's like, okay, this is the, this is the floor for where your pain should be normally. But like, as enough time goes on, your floor starts rising ever so gradually and you don't realize it. So now your floor is like 50% above where it should be, but you don't realize that because that's your new norm. And it's not until you get time off from an injury, you know, like in that particular instance, where like you have that time off and then you have all this pain come rushing back to you where you're like, wow, 
that's crazy. <laughs> like I didn't realize my elbow was that jacked up. I didn't realize my knee was that jacked up. My put, you know, my Achilles was that jacked up my neck, you know, like it was just like, damn, like I'm dealing with a lot of shit here that I didn't think was that big of a deal. Cause I was just in destroyer mode, you know, like I have this switch that I can do. And a lot of us, you know, high performance athletes and entertainers, we have this switch that we can flip and it's just like, just the mission. This is the mission. I'm an, I, everything else, we block it out. We train through it. It's nothing. But then you get that time and it's like, okay, well, holy crap. I was, you know, was running from a lot of shit or not just compartmentalizing pain. So it was, just, you know, that, you know, I was dealing with that. So I had this like nasty taste in my mouth where I was like, yo, I'm done wrestling. Just I'm done. You know, mm -hmm. like screw that. I had some others, you know, I'd always wanted to do other things. You know, I'm not somebody that can just do one thing as I'm sure you can tell through this story. <laughs> <laughs> I can't like, I can't, I can't, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm not built that way. Um, I need variety. You know, like I need, I need consistency and I need to like, you know, take on something and really immerse myself in something. But then I need new, you know, I need new stimulus and new adventures, new journeys. Right. So it was yep. just like, you know, and, and I knew one of the things I had learned through football was like nothing lasts forever. And I knew wrestling wasn't going to last forever. Yeah. Now I didn't know how long it would last or wouldn't last, but I was just like, you know, there's going to come a point where I'm going to want to walk away somewhat unscathed. Like I, I want to be 50 and like still, you know, able to, you know, have lift my kids up, play with my kids, be able to go on walks with my woman, you know, like whatever it is, you know, enjoy my life relatively pain-free. Now, you know, it's the price you pay to be a gladiator. You're going to have some certain aches and pains when you, when you, when you get older, like that's just the name of the game, right? I'm not yep. naive, but I, I want to be able to, you know, I want to be able to enjoy other aspects of my life. And I think something that we don't, especially when we're younger, we don't think about like, you are going to get older, you know, like we think we're above getting older and like feeling the consequences of age. Like we're, none of us are now there's certain things you can do to diminish that, but you, they're inevitable. So it's like, I am going to get older. I am going to get 50. I am going to get sexy. My goal is to be the sexiest. sixty. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like my goal is to be the sexiest 60 year old, but I'm still going to be 60. So it's, it, you know, I, I had that in mind as well, where it's like, okay, post wrestling, there's some things that I love to do. You know, one of the great things about wrestling was I found out that I am an entertainer at heart. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember, I remember this very specifically when I, I was training in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was one of the first times this was before WWE. I had finally had enough training to have a match at practice, you know, not in front of an audience, but I, you know, I had a match in practice where like I could put together 
moves and coordinate the, you know, what we were going to do with like the, my opponent in the ring and have it make sense. And it takes a while to get there and it can be very frustrating in wrestling because you learn all this shit, but you can't have a match yet. So you don't really feel the gratification that comes from wrestling until you can do that but you got to go through x amount of time and training before you can get there so a lot of people never even make it there Mm -hmm. they never even realize what they're quitting but if you're willing to stick it out and get to that point once you get to that point i remember this i'll i will remember this on my deathbed dude i was driving in my car after practice hopping the whip driving to work and i remember just busting out laughing (laughs) just uncontrollable laughter of just like pure joy like running through my heart just beaming beating out and i was just like man i was like this is like this like this is what i was meant to do like this is what i was put on this planet to do like this is what i did and sacrificed and worked all this time for this And it just made a whole lot of things in my life make sense about my personality, about how I interact, you know, when I was younger, right? Like when we talked about some of the crazy nefarious partying that I would do, a lot of that was really me trying to like be an entertainer in a weird way. Cause like, you know, we drink a lot of, you know, a lot of times we drink for, different reasons to have courage to talk to a girl you know maybe to numb the pain of Mm -hmm. a particular circumstance or you know to just not care about your day or to be enough you know to to have the the courage to be the center of attention to let go of your inhibitions and be wild and funny and loud and just like carefree like that was me. Like I'm like the the life of the part. Like I'm a fun for the most part. I'm I when I when I when I used to drink, like I liked to do that. I wanted to be that for my my peer group. But what I realized as I got older and I wasn't drinking anymore, but then I was doing this was like, yo, I was a wild party animal because I had this entertainer thing inside of me and I didn't know how to get it out. And that was how I got it out, which obviously is not a healthy way to get it out. But like, that's what I did to get it out. But like, really, now that I'm doing this, I don't have any urges to drink. I don't have urges to be the center of attention at a party. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, this was, this was what I needed. Yeah. (laughs) So it was just like, it was, it was just crazy. It was a crazy moment where I was just like, wow, that's just it was just a wild moment in my life. And I just remember that just like beaming joy, uncontrollable laughter, like a crazy man in my car by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so I was saying, saying that I was saying that to say, um, I had, oh, so there was others. Now I remember where we're going. There's, <laughs> there was other things. There was other things that I wanted to do, right? It's like wrestling is just one way to entertain. 
I've always wanted to get into voiceover, right? Like I've always wanted to get into voiceover work. So I was like, okay, like I can start pursuing that. I've always wanted to get into acting out. You know, wrestling really is acting. Um, yeah. But it's like, you know, I want to get into theatrical acting, right? I want to get outside of wrestling and sports entertainment. I'd like to get into that. And then, you know, maybe some other things I'll find along the way. And so I was, you know, started pursuing those things. And, you know, got an agent, got a manager during that time. Started, you know, started a podcast. I wanted to start a podcast, started a podcast during that time. Started learning videography, audio, you know, soft, you know, mixing software, editing software. And I just was like, you know, I'm done with wrestling. And then maybe about six months ago, I've been, it's just been, like, it's just been, I remember one morning waking up and like, I just had like a dream about wrestling <laughs> and it was, it wasn't even about wrestling. It was about a pitch. It was like a dream. I was like pitching <laughs> a pitch of like a character and I woke up with all these ideas and I just like when I woke up and I had I was in a funk you know like I was in this like dark little funk but when I had woke up from this that funk it was like the fog was gone and I just was like man maybe I want to wrestle <laughs> you know like maybe I want to wrestle still and I was like ah, you know the morning when I had this pep in my step and then I, you know, I was like, I don't know, maybe I don't want to wrestle, whatever. And then, you know, a little bit of time went on, but it was still in the back of my mind. And then I'd start thinking about it more frequently. And then, I don't know, maybe about a month ago, I made in my head, I was just like, I got some unfinished business to do. <laughs> I got some unfinished business to do. Cause I just, I'm just like, I'm one, one thing is I've had enough time to kind of let things, you know, one, let my body heal two let my mind heal and just like, kind of get far enough away from everything to kind of just have a new perspective. Right. And it's like, I've worked really hard to develop this skill set over the past six years. And I got pretty friggin' good at this thing. You know, like I, like I got pretty good at this and I have something to offer this world, this pro wrestling world. You know what I mean? Like this, the art that is pro wrestling. Like I have something to offer that no one else on the planet has to offer right now. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know. I, th I just feel like this would be, I've never been afraid to walk away from something. And so that was my thought process was like, yo, this, you know, I learned a lot from this. This was a dope experience. I'm going to take this with me to the next endeavor. But then I was like, you know what? This, I might be walking away too soon. I don't think, I, I don't think I'm going to be walking away from this. I want to give it another go. So I've been, you know, 
I've been staying in shape, right? But I've been really picking up my training as of recently. One of the things that really kind of got me going was I started playing basketball. And I never really played basketball before, but I was like, I want to, I love watching basketball. I want to play. So I started playing pickup games of basketball. And then that competitive juice of mine. <laughs> so then I was like in the park and shit, like Ding people up and rebounding and getting super physical. And I was just like pushing my body running and jumping. And I was like, Ooh, I like this. And then, uh, you know, then I've, you know, I've been back in the, you know, I've been training in the ring. So now I'm just like in this process now where I've been starting to reach out to other companies, kind of just letting it be known like, Hey, I'm back. I'm back. I'm just looking, you know, like I'm back and I'm looking for a promotion that is looking for a young, ambitious, talented <laughs> individual <laughs> who wants who's gonna you know wants an opportunity to showcase his abilities but also wants to you know i want to help a promotion you know like i want to help all the people around me like i want to have great matches with people like i want to have great promos with people like i want to help bring the most out of people and then you know i want you know in that process like i'll be able to learn and get the most out of myself from them hopefully and i'm just you know I'm just looking for a place. I'm looking for a place who's looking, uh, you know, looking to give that opportunity to me. So that's where I'm at right now. Have you gotten any responses or is it like the five phone calls and no one answers? Yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'm going to have to do some more, uh, you know, some more emails, some more text messages, some more pestering. I'll just bug, <laughs> I just bug the shit out of people until they tell me to fuck off. <laughs> Sometimes that works. You never know. <laughs> well, dude, this is the thing. And this is one of the, the blessed. So, you know, you could look back on paper this, this past year and a half, you look at the car accident, you look at getting released all the, you know, bunch of stuff that happened in between that just like kind of made my life really tough. Right. And you look at it on paper and you're like, this sucks. That's a shitty situation, but I look on it at it and it was like, yeah, it sucks, but also it was necessary, mm -hmm. necessary for growth as a, like, there was some things that I needed to, to, to kind of confront as a human being that I was kind of neglecting because I was so head down, like trying to, to like trying to make it in the WWE. You know what I mean? Like I was, I got, I got away from enjoying the process and focusing on the outcome, the destination. And in that process, I started neglecting some of my personal, you know, some of the personal sectors in my life that needed growth. Right. And I, I think this accident was cause like, listen, dude, that accident happens. You run it through a simulator a billion times and there's one way where i'm here right now talking to you mm -hmm. and to me like that's not on accident something something much larger than me was at work that day so there's nothing that can happen from this point that's gonna like <laughs> I, I i never really had uh 
I, I never really had too many cares to give. I've never really been somebody that really worried about other people's opinion of myself. Um, but after that, it's just like, yo, <laughs> like I'm not even like I should be dead. Like you think I care what you think about me? You know, yeah. like, what do I have to lose? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like all this is like, this is, this is a second chance. I mean, really, I'm like on my like fourth chance. So I was like, I got, <laughs> I'm like a cat. I've got nine lives, but, but still this, it's like, what's, I mean, what do I care? Yeah. All I care about is just experiencing life. Hey, I'd like to keep wrestling. Would you like somebody of my ability and talent and work ethic? No. Okay. I'll just go to somebody else. Hey, hi, I'm Dan Matha. <laughs> WWE wrestler, aka Dorian Mack. I've been training for six years. I had this, this, and this to bring to the table. Would you like said talent? No. Okay. Go to the next. Just, just keep going. Yeah. Plus, I got some. You know, I've got some pretty cool things on the horizon as well. Um, I I actually scored my first movie role. Um, filming will take place in September. Um. I actually just got the email saying that I was, I'm, I'm cleared to talk about it. A lot of times they're like, <laughs> they're like, don't spoil it or anything. Yeah. 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 Well, you're not like, there's, you know, there's like, you know, procedure and etiquette and on a, on a set, but I literally got the email uh, like an hour before we hopped on this thing saying like, Hey, share this on your social tag us blah 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 whatever all that stuff so That's awesome i'm allowed to talk about it so <laughs> you know it's you know it's it's a it's a cool it's called no vacancy it's based on a book actually um it'll be a cool it'll be a cool little movie um it's based on this like reporter who she was like up in new york city had a big like news job up there but then you know her mom gets really sick she goes through a divorce. She gets demoted, has to come down to like Leesburg, Florida during the 08 market crash. Oh, wow. So like she kind of gets like dogpiled with one thing after another. She comes down here, meets this dude, Cecil. And then like Cecil kind of changes the way she sees life. I don't know how much I should like. I could give. <laughs> I, so like i'll just give you that it's a book it's our it's already out there it's a book you know i was about I mean? to ask are you playing cecil or no you i'm not playing cecil <laughs> i don't so i don't have a major role i have a i'm playing uh i'm playing one of the gangsters in the movie um so and it's not a huge role but it's a, my first role so hey, it's, could, huge. it's a it's start huge to lead to something you never it's know a, it's a huge to me it's or it's huge to me no no dude this is so this is one of those things dude just like i had that dream about wrestling and wrestling you know it went from moving in with my grandpa to making a phone call mm -hmm. to becoming a car salesman to moving to louisville to getting you know a tryout to the wwe to like you know to all the right that story right that's what yep. this is dude this is the same thing i met this lady about a year ago my manager her, she like she saw me she believed in me she worked with me helped me out we found an agent together and then like we've been applying and we've been getting auditions like i've had you know probably like 20 30 auditions 
and it haven't heard shit back. This was the oh. first one that I've heard something back. So like, this was the first one. So like, this is the momentum. And then behind the scenes, you're just karate chopping and excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's just going to be your signature move. Now. <laughs> I got a, I got a sweet, I got a sweet roundhouse, bro. That's my go-to. <laughs> Well, I'll ask you one final question for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is you got to get real. You got to get real introspective with yourself. You've got to, you got to ask yourself hard questions and you got to be honest with yourself and you're going to find that everything that is not going the way you want it to in your life is your fault. And the sooner that you admit that Mm -hmm. the sooner you can start overcoming. And then once you do that, that becomes like an invigorating process, right? Like that's empowering. People think it's the opposite, right? It's like demoralizing. No, you now empower yourself because what happens is when you tell yourself, when you, when you're honest with yourself about everything in your life being your fault, whether it's true or not, most sometimes things happen that are out of our control, Mm -hmm. but it's still your fault in the sense that you could have, there's plenty of things you could have done to to avoid it or mitigate the damage that said thing could have happened and you didn't. So when you claim ownership of all the negatives that happened in your life, what you do is now you, that, that accountability means I created this issue to get into this situation. Now I can create the solution to get out of this situation. And once you do that, then it's just being disciplined every day, getting up and just taking action towards whatever goal it is that you're going towards. And action isn't a plan. It's not a big elaborate plan. It's not a planner and a schedule and a notebook and all that stuff, which those tools can help by all means use them if they do help, but they also can be, they can paralyze you. A lot of times you need to get out of your head and get in your body, Mm -hmm. quit thinking, start doing a lot of us, we think too much. We're just, you know, we're in our heads. I, I, you know, I'm guilty of it too. And I think, you know, with technology, with our phones and stuff, it's very easy to get in our heads and not yeah. be present. The key is to be present, be here right now. And then you just have to get ruthless. You got to get ruthless with what in your life gets you closer to where you want to be and what is in the way and anything that's in the way has to go. And if you can do those things, everything else will take care of itself. I, I totally agree with all of that. Dan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thanks, my man. I appreciate you having me on here. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.